0: Good morning, Countryside. How are you doing? All right, that was good. That was good. That was a little muted. Well, just give you a second chance. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I thought so. I kind of had that feeling. Hey, I want to give you an update. As most of you know, or maybe all of you know, Pastor Glenn and Elaine are both recovering from COVID. I want you to know that the key word there is recovering. They are doing really, really well. Amen. They are feeling your prayers. And they just want you to know they can. They can feel your prayers. They're making a big difference. They're, you know, they're kind of getting to the stir-crazy stage, you know, where it's like, you wanna come back, but they can't come back yet. Uh, But they definitely feel those prayers, and I wanna lift them up in prayer in just a moment. I also wanted to lift up in prayer, someone asked us, to please keep in prayer the family of Michael Magley, who's an officer in Pinellas, who was killed a few days ago in the line of duty. And I think it would be good for us. I know that that in a church this size, there are a lot of things that are happening, but I think uh, this family could really use our prayers right now. So would you join with me in prayer? Father, we lift up the Magley family can't imagine what they are feeling right now. It's very difficult. But Father, I pray that they would also feel the love of your people and our love towards them. And I pray that as they're walking through this journey, getting through this terrible tragedy, they would know that they are not alone. And Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in Pastor Glenn and Elaine in healing them, that they are recovering so quickly. Father, I thank you for the prayers of your people for them and we commit to continue that. And we also pray for all of those who are struggling with the effects of this virus, the economic effects, the health effects, and those who are on the front lines. Father, we lift up everyone to you and we thank you for our pastor in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. So we're continuing our series, Love God, Love People, and today I want want to zoom back a little bit to about 400 BC. The children of Israel are returning from a 70-year exile to Babylon. And Babylon was, was not fun. It created a lot of angst in the chosen people because the promised land was ripped away from them. And they were taken to this foreign and terrible place, right? Didn't love God at all over there. But now God had made a way for them to return to the promised land. And now that they're here, they go to the prophet. And the prophet at this time was a man named Zechariah. He was one of two prophets around at the time. And they said, hey, listen, we're back. We're happy. Um, I mean, do we have to continue this grieving for the loss of, you know, and all this repentance and, you know, this fasting twice a year in the fifth and seventh month? We really need to do all of that? And first of all, Zechariah is like, you know, you weren't really fasting for God. You were fasting for yourselves because you were upset. But here is the thing, O Israel, Now before Zechariah tells them what he's about to tell them, I'm gonna clue you in that there were three issues that were primarily responsible for God allowing Israel to be taken into captivity for 70 years. And one is that they had this recurring problem of continuing to do what was right in their own eyes instead of what God told them was what was right, like over and over again. I don't know, you don't know anybody like that, but maybe he's a friend. We're talking about our friends. Another problem they had was idolatry, that their worship was misplaced. It wasn't placed towards the true God of Israel and the creator of the universe. It was placed towards other things that seemed more relevant to them, gods that personified success and and sex and all these different things that they were more concerned about. But there was a third issue that kept coming up over and over and over again from Deuteronomy to Malachi. And it's this, and this is what Zechariah answers them. Zechariah chapter seven, verse eight. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. This recurring issue is how they treated the vulnerable. Oppression rather than love is how they treated the vulnerable. I I like how uh, author and pastor Tim Keller refers to this constant refrain throughout the scriptures of the vulnerable. He calls it the quartet of the vulnerable. The widow, the orphan, the foreigner in your land, and the poor. So this series that we're in, Love God and Love People, is designed to show what we do at Countryside and why we do it, because it expresses who we are. And our missional statement really comes from Jesus. When Jesus was asked what are the greatest commandments in Scripture, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor As yourself. These are the two greatest commands. Last week, Pastor Glenn shared an amazing message called Welcome Home, which explains why here at Countryside our doors are open to everyone, why we have such diversity in our congregation, which we really consider such a blessing. We want our congregation to look like heaven. And in heaven, there is someone from every nation and tribe. And that's how we want countryside to look and really be a reflection of our community. We also shared our passion for groups and for worship. Pastor Glenn really, I think he really uh, hit that one on the head. That without sincere, passionate worship, why are we here? So upcoming, in the coming weeks, you're also going to hear a message about living the Great Commission. This is who we are at Countryside discipling other people, spreading the good news, and some of the thoughts behind our preaching strategy because the Great Commission is what Jesus said for us to do right before he ascended into heaven. This is really important and it is missional for us. Also upcoming, you're gonna hear a powerful message on why we focus so much on the next generation. It's called Lifting the Next Generation. Why we're so focused on the kids, the little ones, the students, the young adults, we believe that is God's heart. But today, our message is loving the vulnerable. Why is God so focused on this issue? It can be uncomfortable. Well, what are we doing as a church to love the vulnerable? And why, in many ways, vulnerable, or actually each one of us. So if you would pray with me, if you have your Bible, uh, your physical Bible, you can hold it up or you can turn on your Bible, either one is good. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your word and we ask that it would settle deep in our hearts and that you would guide us by the spirit to awaken us to your heart through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome all of you who are watching online from all over the state, the country, the world. We love you. We appreciate you. Can we just give a hand to those who are watching online? Thank you for being here with us. So Jesus made an announcement of his public ministry in Luke chapter 4. And in this announcement of his public ministry, it's very interesting where he went. He went to the same place that God has went many places in the Bible, how he expects us to see and relate to the quartet of the vulnerable and how he himself sees himself as a champion of the vulnerable. In your notes, God loves the vulnerable and expects us to do the same. Expects us to do the same. Listen to how Jesus kind of announced his ministry, Luke 4, 16. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It started a little bit of an uproar and an argument. Who are you, isn't this Joseph's son? What, what, what is this? Plus it was awkward and uncomfortable to think about the things that Jesus was reading to them. They actually tried to throw him off a cliff. He walked right through them. Well, what was Jesus saying in this announcement? He was saying that through him, the poor will get good news. The prisoners would be proclaimed free. The blind would see. All the oppressed and vulnerable would be set free. What people failed to do, he would do, and he would call out the people who would do the same thing. So there's obviously spiritual application to this, is there not? Obviously, he opens the eyes of the blind to see him. He sets the captives free in our hearts. But the spiritual is proven authentic by the way we act in the physical. That's how you know it's authentic. It's not just about my freedom, right? Or my needs, or my rescue. It's about my passion for the freedom and the needs and the rescue of other people. In the 1840s, there was a young woman who was a slave. She was a slave who um, had a hope of freedom, but it didn't materialize. So she took matters into her own hands, found a way of escape. And through a lot of difficulty, she managed to make it out of Maryland into freedom, into Pennsylvania. (sighs) Imagine the liberation. Imagine the feeling of knowing that you're not owned by another person anymore. So I think most of us in that situation would be very content to live out our lives in gratitude. She was not content because she had brothers and sisters in Christ who were left behind. She was passionate for Jesus, and she could not live in comfort with her own freedom knowing that others were enslaved. So she began to make these trips back (laughs) to rescue other slaves, and she did. She would go in the dark of night, she would go in wintertime, she would go on a Friday because she knew that the reports wouldn't be publicized and the papers about the runaway slaves until Monday would give them time. She had it all worked out with the Underground Railroad. This little woman, Minty, her masters called her, Harriet Tubman, we know her. Over the course of 10 years, in this way, walking with them, going to these plantations and singing so that they knew the signal they could be free if they followed her. She rescued 300 souls from slavery. 300. She did not lose one single person. In the South at the time, they they couldn't imagine that it was a young woman, a young African woman, African American, they thought that there was some northern abolitionist that had a sophisticated structure to get these slaves out. But it was her. And when she was asked later, why, why did you go through all of this when you had your freedom? She said, I have heard their groans and sighs and seen their tears, and I would give every drop of blood in my veins to free them. Her heart cried out for the oppressed that she was once. In your notes, when our hearts cry out for the oppressed, then our hearts align with his. By the way, just a plug, there's a great movie, came out a couple of years ago, Movie Harriet. How many of you have seen that movie? Yeah, I envy those of you who have not yet seen it because you are in for a very powerful, powerful experience. Um, My 13 year old and 15 year old, Destiny and Gwendolyn, were sitting in the front of First Service. They're movie critics, right? They're like, to them, they see a great movie. I'm like, wow, wasn't that a great movie? They're like, it's a seven. (laughs) Okay, now that one, that was incredible. You've got to admit, that was maybe an eight. You know, they're tough. So I, I took a risk and asked them, I said, just whatever you think, I'm gonna ask you something during the service, just your honest opinion. And I asked them, what do you think about Harriet, scale of one to 10, and they both did this. So yeah, take it from the O'Fallon kids, you should see that movie. Love the quartet of the vulnerable, the poor, the widow, the orphan, stranger in your land. What does that look like, loving the vulnerable? Well, loving the vulnerable, this is point two, loving the vulnerable is not about how we feel, it's about what we do. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, he shares a few parables about readiness for his return. And one of them really It's home. He starts this way. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit. He first turns to the sheep, and he says, enter into your rest, this beautiful eternal life that was created for you by my Father, because I, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and, and you invited me, you invited me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you reached out to me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Enter in, and the the sheep are like, this is wonderful, but when? We don't remember. When were you hungry, when thirsty? Would have remembered this. Don't remember. Jesus said, whenever you did this to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done that to me. Then he turned to the goats. Exit to the punishment. It wasn't created for you, it was created for the devil and his angels. Because I was hungry You let me go hungry. I was thirsty. I remained thirsty. I was a stranger, and you didn't want anything to do with me. I was naked. I was sick. You didn't care. I was in prison, and I rotted in prison. And they're of course, <laughs> this isn't fair, when? And he said, when you haven't done it to the least of these and you haven't done it to me. Let's make this clear, the Bible in many places, including from Jesus, is that you don't come to salvation and eternal life by what you do. It is a gift of God, it's a gift by grace through faith. But that gift, if you've received it, will result in works of righteousness and compassion for the vulnerable. So this is not, the story is not about how you come to know Jesus. It's about how you know you know Jesus. And this is the challenge to the church to perceive Jesus in the faces of the vulnerable. That's his challenge. And at Countryside, we take this so seriously, very seriously. Now, we have some priorities at Countryside, and we believe that they're the priorities that God has put before us. Our priority, because of the Great Commission, Jesus' command to all of us is to spread the good news of Jesus. Priority, priority, worship him with excellence. It's what we're on earth to do. A priority is to create an environment of discipleship through serve teams and groups, and it's a priority to focus on the next generation. A lot of our resources go to these priorities because they are eternal things. They last forever. And more on living this out in in one of our upcoming weeks. We, We focus on these things. But we must, we must have the heart of Jesus to the vulnerable, and as a church, we do. I wanna share some of the ways that we are doing this. Impact zone is something that we've recently rolled out about providing diapers to families in need in this area and other things for for the little ones. Sewing for Jesus, a couple in this church had a heart that was broken when they heard that there was a hospital in Haiti. Was sending newborns home wrapped in paper because they couldn't afford blankets. So they began sewing blankets. And last week, over 30 of you said, we want to sew blankets too. So we're not just going to help one hospital. We're As a church, we're going to help an, a region, I believe. This is the beginning of something beautiful. Our heart is for those who are, who are not even here, beyond our borders. That's why we built the church in Nicaragua and the feeding center. This is why as a church you have adopted hundreds of little kids in that community in León, Nicaragua. You sponsored them through compassion to provide food and clothing and education and most of all to know about Jesus. This is why we support missionaries around the world this is why we have a visitation team, an active, robust visitation team. Since they can't go into the hospitals right now, they reach out by phone and by text. They're anxious, ready to go to visit the sick. This is why, for many years, we've had a prison ministry. Last week, I think you heard from Lisa Lippmann something very beautiful about a life that was impacted by our prison ministry. We can't wait to get back in there. But the real passion of our hearts because we believe that God has laid it as like a special mission for countryside is to feed the hungry. Feeding the hungry is definitely something that God has ordained us to do. And so the majority of our resources for missions and focus goes to helping hands Four times a week, they're, they're mobile, giving food into the community, including three times right here, at Countryside on campus. Last year, we gave out 2.8 million pounds of food. Yeah, I know. In January, over, over 6,900 people were able to get groceries. Groceries, lots of groceries. This is not just a single meal. We help families with groceries. This is, this is living out what Jesus called us to do, which is to love the vulnerable. And this is what you're doing. Entrance to the kingdom of God is a gift through faith, but how are we going to know? And Jesus said in John 13:35 that they will know you belong to Jesus by your love. Jesus said also that you have to have the faith of a little child. He also said that not everyone that says Lord, Lord is gonna enter the kingdom of heaven. So what's up with all of this? I mean, the answer is that you can know about Jesus and not really know him. I think Joshua Butler gave this great analogy one time. You could go to a mechanical engineer and say, do you know about riding bicycles? And he's like, well, of course. I can tell you the physics of it, can tell how the gears work, of course. Have you ever ridden a bike? Well, no. You put them on a bike, what's gonna happen? It's not gonna be pretty. You can know about it. But you ask a little five-year-old girl who's been riding a bicycle, you know about riding bikes? She says, sure, she'll jump on the bike and show you. And I think that's the kind of faith that Jesus is asking for, not theological knowledge. Not just head knowledge, but living it out by experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with theology at all. I'm a nerd. I love it, okay? But it's not proof that you belong to Jesus. Childlike faith and love to the vulnerable, it's evidence that someone belongs to Jesus. In your notes, the way we love the least among us will identify us as citizens of heaven or citizens of hell. So ride the bicycle. It's not, and this isn't something you you ever have to do alone. We are in this together as a church. If you're serving here, if you're giving here, you're participating in everything that we do. You're supporting the ministries, you're feeding the hungry. There's another aspect of vulnerability that I think we should touch on. Who are the vulnerable? Think about what Paul said in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right, everybody. And he also writes in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So, we've all sinned, and the wages of sin are death. Who's vulnerable? Every last one of us, everyone. In a very real sense, I'm vulnerable, so are you. But here's what we have, is we have a God, this is point three in your notes, he loves the vulnerable in you. I was out for a nature walk um, Friday. I put that in quotation marks because, you know, it can be a nature walk even if there's just weeds growing in between the sidewalk, right? That's That's nature. So I went for a little nature walk and I was behind a public building and I saw this very sad shrub <laughs> that was growing in like some gravel, sort of growing, and it was just, there were those patches of leaves and a lot of sticks hanging out, it was unkept, there were weeds growing up through it, and I'm like, what a mess! And of course, I thought to myself, because you know, I'm always looking for illustrations, that's like us sometimes. God must be looking at our lives and saying, what a mess! Well, oh, I think they put it up on the screen already. I took a picture of something that I zoomed into in that messy, awful shrub, and it was this. It was just with my phone, so it's not a great picture. But in the midst of all that mess, there was this one little flower And the flower is supposed to, I guess, in this type of shrub, be growing with other flowers. It was just by itself. Its leaves weren't out, or its petals weren't out like it was supposed to be. But it was beautiful. Look at this vulnerable part of this messy shrub. And it's beautiful. And that's what God zooms into. In our hearts and our lives. He zooms in to see the vulnerable part of us that we cover over. Because he loves us. Because we're like, you know, that's a messed up life, you know. That little flower, I mean, it's nothing. But to him, it's everything. Listen to what he says. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We're all vulnerable in this life. We're slaves to sin. We're in need of freedom. And what do we do? Because we need that freedom, right? Well, our efforts to be good doesn't work. Doesn't free us. Caught up in this cycle of trying to please God, and it never works. What about comparing ourselves to worse people? At least I'm not that bad. Doesn't free us. Still stuck. What about refusing to acknowledge our sin? I don't know, sin doesn't exist. I don't have any sin, I'm fine. Doesn't work. Celebrating our sin, doesn't work. All these mind games we try to play to free ourselves. What frees us is this, the love of the Savior Jesus Christ who took the consequences of sin Upon himself on the cross, so that we could be forgiven and have new life. That's what frees us. <clears throat> you notes. He loves us out of slavery to sin and into the family of God. That's what he does. I'm going to leave you with three practical ways that you can help us as a church love the vulnerable. Give with us, participate with us in this, be all in, put some skin in the game. Secondly, serve with us. There's so many places to serve. You can serve with the children. You can serve here on Sundays, production. You can serve with ushers and greeters, parking lot. You can serve at helping hands. Help giving out food to the needy. And then thirdly, most importantly, pray with us. Pray with us. Together, standing together in prayer, it unites us in the spirit. and God honors those prayers. And I want you to remember Zechariah 7. I want you to kind of keep this in your spirit so that we all have the compassion that we should have This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. And don't plot evil against each other. So I wanna invite you to see how much God loves the poor, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner in the land, I invite you to join us as we act out that love together in the ministries that I mention and others to come. And I invite you to let Jesus love you, the part of you that is vulnerable, the real you that he sees as his child. I want you to receive that right where you are right in the middle of the mess. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment, nobody looking around. I want to address something a lot of people feel. A lot of people feel like, okay, I know, I know I need to get things right with God, but I've got to get some things cleaned up in my life first. Things are just out of order, I don't feel right about coming to him when I don't have these things in order yet. I understand where you're coming from. It's an honorable thought. But it is a lie that's been crafted to keep you from ever really coming to him. Because you can never truly get your life in order the way that God expects. It's not possible. That's why Jesus died for you. It's not to make you... Effort yourself into a better person so that you can come to him. It's so that you can come to him just as you are. Messed up. Sinner. Knowing the stuff deep in your heart. Knowing that he knows the stuff deep in your heart. And he wants you at this moment. And not tomorrow. His arms are open to you today. Today. We don't know what tomorrow brings. I want to invite you that if you have never really looked at it that way and trusted him to forgive you, it's not about you deserving it, none of us do, but just trusting him that he loves you and that he will forgive you. And What happens at that moment is he creates a new person. You're born again. Today actually becomes a birthday for you. You begin to surrender control of your life to him and he puts your life in order. He'll take care of it. Trust him. I'm gonna pray for a moment for those of you in this room who'd like to turn your hearts and lives completely over to him. And I don't want anyone to look around, no one, everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. But I wanna ask if you wanna be included in this prayer. I'm gonna count to three. You just slip your hand up. As soon as I see it, put it right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. But if you'd like to be included in this prayer, hands are already going up. One, two, three. I see your hand, and yours, and yours. Yes, and yours, and yours, and yours. Thank you, ma'am, and yours. Thank you, yes, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you. Your hand's all over. You can put them down, thank you. First of all, Father, I pray for all of those who lifted their hands I pray that you would just right now that you would give them a little glimpse of your infinite love now no matter how they feel about themselves or what they've done what they think they deserve I pray Father that you would shower them at this moment with the love that caused you to send your son to die for them I thank you for that love Lord for each and every one who responded, and even some that didn't. Everyone in this room, would you repeat a prayer after me for the sake of those who raised their hands? And If you raised your hand, and you're joining in this prayer, you're praying after me with everyone else, and you mean this in your heart, this is a prayer you're very authentic about. God always answers yes to this, because he sees your heart. Would you pray after me? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I've done wrong, but you sent your son Jesus to die for me, that I might be forgiven. I ask you forgive me. I believe in the Lord Jesus and I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, my God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate him for a moment right now? God is good. Would you stand with me to receive your blessing? And if you're watching online, you can also receive this blessing. Just turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May you be blessed by the God of creation, to have his heart for those who are vulnerable. May you be blessed with an open heart to his eyes and his hands. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, church. We'll see you soon, have a happy Sunday.